I think that's the formula really for, for a lot of industries moving forward. Put in the time, you have to put in the effort, and you have to always show up. It's, it's, it's really not a secret. Thanks again for coming to another episode with Aspire Noir, where our job is to love, lead, aspire, and serve. Anyway, today I have Elliot Lee as a guest. Elliot, thank you so much for coming to the podcast. Thank you, Elliot. So we're just going to get started real quick. Elliot, just give us a background. Tell us real quick where you're from, what you do. I know you. his group has done over a billion dollars in real estate, right? That's right. Yeah. And he's more in the luxury market. So Elliot, just, we can start off with that. Yeah, so... Um so I, I'm I'm an American Taiwanese, okay. and um, I, I was born in the States, and I've lived in many different parts of the world. Okay. And so, um, you know, I've, I've lived in Taiwan, LA, Shanghai, uh, now Miami, where I've been for 10 years. Okay. And um, I've been in the real estate business for also about 10 years. Um, and uh, yeah, that's that's basically a quick background of uh, who I am. Where, where was your favorite place to live from all of them? It's it's difficult to say. I gotta say, when it comes to the social setting, I really enjoyed uh, Shanghai. Okay. But because Shanghai is a very international city, actually. Okay. So when you go there, you it's it's not just Chinese people that you meet. There's also Europeans Pans, and people from Dubai. Wow. You know, Australians and Japanese and Korean, and so it's a whole like it's a really big crowd when you go there. Um, but I don't like the weather there. So How's the weather? It's, uh, let's say summer is extremely humid and winter is extremely cold, but you don't get snow. <laughs> uh, and, uh, and then, and then summer, like it, it's, it's very unforgiving and it's usually always cloudy there. So it's always gray skies. There's only about one week in the year, uh, from April I'm sorry, from May uh, until May 7th, only one week that you'll have blue skies. Okay. You know? Wow. Yeah. So, so when it comes to the weather, it's, you know, and the pollution, of course, when I used to live there, it wasn't as bad. Now it's now, now on the AQI, it's, it's one of the worst. And wow. there are, there are days that you can only see, um, I think like a hundred feet of visibility before, before, before you start seeing smog. And it's uh, and it's gotten really bad. But when I lived there, it was it wasn't like that. How many hundred feet can you live see when you lived there? No, well, when I lived there, it was it was pretty clear. I mean, it, you probably I don't know six six seven hundred feet. You're you're totally cool, you know. Gotcha. But uh, but nowadays, you know, it's 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 actually really bad over there. Well, hundred feet is like a basketball court. Yeah, no, it's it's literally from here to kind of a little bit behind camera. So that's crazy. Yeah. Yeah. It's really bad. And there are certain days where the government actually tells you not to go out because the pollution is so bad over there, you know? So they, they won't promote that here. I bet you. No, of course not. Of course not. And then so. From Shanghai, you come to Miami. What made you come to Miami? I came to Miami, um, because I really, I really enjoyed what Miami had to offer. I'm a, I, I love the water. I love the beach. I'm a water guy. I love the palm trees. I like the, the tropical feel. Um, and uh, that was really an immature reason why I came here. But it also was a stepping stone to a much greater purpose. When I did come here, having seen so many different international cities, um, it just showed me how much more Miami has to grow. And me as a person, I wanted to be a part of growth you know, and, um, and I just see so much potential in, in, in the city. 
Not just a year visionary. You already knew, like, hey, man, 10 years from now, Miami's going to be very... Yeah, yeah. I mean, so much potential. I I came to Miami and I just saw land everywhere. I mean, this this was, again, 10 years ago. Um, Whereas now you're you're not seeing as much. Yeah. But you still see vacant lots here and there. You go to LA, you go to Taiwan, you go to Shanghai, you don't see anything vacant anywhere. Wow, yeah. You don't don't see vacant land. yeah. 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 In Miami, you see vacant land on the beach. You know, you see vacant land on the water and that's, these are all things that I, having a unique background being from living, actually living in different parts of the world, I have a more globalized perspective where when I come here, I have something bigger than just Miami to compare to, you know, I can see, I can see where Miami, different neighborhoods can become, for example, uh, Midtown or Wynwood is like Soho maybe 15 years ago, right? Gotcha. Well, how, um, how about so, how, Little Havana? Every time I come there, it's so next to Brickell, I'm like, this has so much yeah, potential. Yeah, yeah. Little Havana is is unique in a way because there is no other city that is like Little Havana except for Little Havana. Yeah. Right? Um, so Little Havana is a very unique type of a city for me. Um, but because of the proximity to one of the largest financial districts in the United States... Little Havana has a ton of potential. They also have much more multifamily than the rest of the rest of the county. Yeah. So there's a ton of um, definitely a ton of opportunities there. And um, the only the only difficult the difficulty that I see with Little Havana is that um, it's it's a very sort of a family oriented. Like a lot of Cuban immigrants when they came, uh, they brought their entire families there. So yeah. a lot of the people that live in Little Havana are just generational and they usually have their entire families in there. So it's something to kind of be considerate about when you're going in there and purchasing because you're you're either displacing families, generational families, or you're helping to make their lives better. And um, of course, we as real estate people, we always look at the vision and where, where everything can get to. But we also... Um, uh, should respect that there's a culture in, yeah. in Little Havana. Yeah, yeah. So, so it's that's yeah. people they live there yeah. and the yeah. generations just. There. So, where yeah. do you see the next big growth in um, the South Florida area? I uh, mean, I see a lot of people looking at Homestead. Yeah, I mean, where yeah. would you look at? Well, I I tend to typically look more at prime land. Gotcha. Um, no secondary market. So, so Little Havana, I think for developers case, it's, it's a huge growth opportunity because there's so much land that you can buy there. Um, but I tend to focus more on the sections that are along the water or the sections that are uh, poised to have maybe more explosive growth as, as a, you know, as a potential instead of just like a local area. Gotcha. That, so when, what, what section would that be like? Like um, so, Bayside, Sunny Owls? Well, Sunny Isles is actually really developed already. Um, Right now, there are sections of Miami Beach that still the price per square feet has not gotten to where prime Miami Beach areas are like, like south of fifth, right? That's prime, prime. Um, Sunny Isles, Bell Harbor is considered also a prime. Super prime, yeah. Super prime, right? With like the same regions in the Ritz is that? Yeah, 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 exactly. Okay. And Bell Harbor shops and all that. Yeah, for sure. So there are surrounding areas that I believe are are pockets that that the prices per square feet, there's absolutely no way that it's not going to grow because of the gotcha. proximity and just the growth factor that I have seen in Taiwan, I have seen in, in Shanghai. 
you know, and, and I keep going back to Shanghai because I was, I, my family lived there when Shanghai was just starting to get noticed in the world. Gotcha. And started the, the beginning and stage started, of development. started to develop. And I was very fortunate to be in that environment, seeing it, seeing it growth exponentially from, I mean, I've seen people make money not only on the real estate appreciation, but also on the currency of the yuan uh, um, appreciating. So wow. it's a, it's a twofold, trifold, and in a sense, they can 11 times or 20 times their, their uh, return on investment because of these kind of factors. And so from, from what I've seen in terms of growth in Shanghai and how all these areas start popping up it, uh, is experience that I, I bring to at least Miami and I envision different uh, from a globalized perspective for, for the clients. So to go back to your question, uh, you know, I think Bay Harbor Islands is a very underrated, wow. yeah, and, and uh, you know, um, uh, underdeveloped area. Um, but the proximity, the location, uh, you know, just moving forward, I don't see how it couldn't become one of those. Um, yeah. And also, you have sections of Miami Beach, like North Beach, yeah. uh, where a very similar neighborhood to North Beach, I would say, is, is sort of Surfside area, um, which they're very close together. But uh, Surfside now already has the Four Seasons. It has the, the yeah. Fendi, you know, Chateau. It's, it's got the Arte. So it has a lot of ultra luxury developments there. But we're still seeing North Beach as more of like a quiet area. Yeah. You know, and you can still purchase property there for $700, $800 a square feet. Whereas if you're, just to put in comparison, if you're in South of Fifth, you're probably looking at an average of fourteen, fifteen hundred dollars a square, square foot. Feet. So yeah. that's a lot of growth that can still be uh, put there as someone like yourself to when when they look in these areas. Those are where the potential um, areas are. Uh, and then moving north, of course, um, Pompano Beach I think is also a, a good area. Good, um, it's very up and coming. Yeah, in, yeah, in yeah, 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 yeah. Th those areas are very good, and also North Miami I think is a really good area uh, for for growth. Um, Biscayne Park, you know, um, sort of, sort of any, anywhere that's along those areas that have connecting cities that are all sort of more on the prestigious level. Gotcha. Uh, I think they all have very good potential for, for huge growth. So Ali, how you got started in real estate? Um, I started from very humble beginnings. Uh, I didn't know what I wanted to do. And, um, so I actually was in California with my mother. And she took me to a few open houses. And um, wait, does your mom do real estate over there? My mom is, and she's like my idol, sort of. So she does investments around the world. So she's purchased properties in, in China, uh, France, LA, Australia, e everywhere. Okay. Uh, but she has a very unique way of investing. She is not looking at spreadsheets. You know, I'm actually the one that like puts things on spreadsheets for her. <laughs> and she'll tell me, I don't want to look at that, you know. Gotcha. So she, she has a niche. Like she has, yeah, she has a have. formula that, that she has and, and everything that she touches makes money. And wow. sometimes I don't understand because she doesn't look at cap rates. She doesn't look at, um, you know, uh, numbers. She, she, she purchases a property based off of her experience going around the world. Um, and, she, and, you know, she's very well traveled. So I think that's one of the one of the. Yeah things that she's able to to see you know um so 
So she takes you to a few open houses and then the, is that yeah. where the passion started? Uh, well, she took me to an open house and she, we were there for an entire day and she asked me if I was bored and I said, no, I'm having a good time. So at that time, it's like 18 years old and she said, why don't you try getting into real estate? Um, and I said, I don't even know where to begin. And she said, just get your license and then, and then figure it out from there. Um, so I came back to Miami and, uh, I was contemplating about getting the license at that time. I was still, I was still in university and I, I, I didn't really care too much cause I was having a good time, you know, all that stuff. Yeah. But then I went through, um, a, a big, uh, a part of my life. I went through an experience that, that changed my mindset. Um, I had a spine surgery, um, Wow. This was about 11 years ago. So all the timeline, when I start telling you, you'll see everything kind of falls into place. And um, I went, 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 long story short, when I went to the doctors, they told me I had a 50% chance of, of success um, because it was the uh, surgery from my neck all the way to the top of the lower spine. Wow. So I currently have 23 titanium screws and two rods. Holding you together. Oh, holding you together. Wow. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'll, I'll show amazing. you. I'll show you an X-ray. It's it's gnarly. It's, it's that's sick. <laughs> that's amazing. Yeah. Um. But when that experience actually changed my mindset. So one day I'm I'm out at a at a dinner. Right. You're with your friends. You're drinking. You're having fun. You're in college. Um. And then the next moment I return, and um. When when I'm out there drinking with all my friends, I realize. I feel like it's, it's time just wasted. Gotcha. You know, um, that, that experience was a really big part of my life. And it really showed me that just like the gentleman that you met, just literally being able to get out of your bed and walk is like, is a blessing. Yeah. And you, and we take it for granted. Yeah. We do it all the time and it's, it's not really even a big deal, but at the end of the day, I, I realized that like being in a hospital, you, you see, you, you realize that like you look at people walking around and you're like, wow, they're so lucky. And, um, and I also met a gentleman there that told me he, all, all he ever wanted to do was start a business for his family. And he was a very, their family didn't have a lot of money. Um, but the doctor, the doctor and his team actually gave back a third of his cost. And that experience taught me that you can be a great person and you can still be extremely successful and generous. Yeah. Wow. You, you don't have to, you know, you don't have to be a killer going out there, killing left and right, trying to, you know, um, and so that kind of stapled as core values for me when, when it came to working. And then, um, and then, and then the other side of that was when I met the gentleman that wanted to build the business, um, uh, when I left and I was with my friends again, I, I couldn't stop thinking about him, you know, what would he do if he was in my position? And, and mind you, he had been in the hospital for like, I think it was like 15 years. He had, when I met him, he had chemotherapy. He didn't have any hair. Um, so, so when I left, all I could remember was like, what would he do if he was in my position? So I decided, all right, I'm going to jump in. So I got my license and I, and I began when I was tw 20 years old. Um, and I didn't do it by going back to LA, which I could have easily done. Or yeah. going back to Shanghai or working with the family, I wanted to to do something on my own. So I started um, doing rentals, and this was in in Hollandale. I was doing rentals yeah. for like 
six hundred dollars, you know, a month. It the was commission was yeah, like what one month's rent? Like three hundred. After bucks? after everything cut, it was like like two or three hundred dollars. It was crazy, <laughs> um, you know. And uh, I don't even know how I got through all of that, but I remember <laughs> I remember a specific experience where I showed in a. Um, it wasn't even a house. It was like a shack attached to a house. Okay. And the key wouldn't even, you know, like, and I was like sweating because it was a client. I, I was, I felt embarrassed, you know, and I opened the door and the minute I opened the door, I felt spider webs. Right. <laughs> and, um, so, but that was a, that was a deal that I did complete. And then the, so even they end up renting, they did end up renting, they did yeah. end up renting. Um, and, uh, and, and then from that time on, uh, I just sort of, I just sort of grew my business step-by-step. Step. I started getting into international sales I uh, got into pre-construction. I started How did you start that? Like, like you, like what happened real quick in a brief story? The international. So I met this person, or how does it start? Like, well, it was it was really funny. My first international sale came from my dermatologist in Shanghai. So yeah, so at wow. one at one point, I, you know, I was going out a lot, and uh, I started getting a lot of pimples on my face. You know, late nights and stuff. Yeah. So I, I had to ha have a dermatologist in, 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 in Asia. And you she- You gotta sell LXR over there. Yeah. <laughs> it's a great product. So she, she ended up um, telling me that she had this, this lady who married a guy from, um, uh, he, he's from Costa Rica. Okay. And they wanted to buy a place in Miami because it was the mid midpoint between Costa Rica and, and also to, to uh, Hong Kong. Okay. So, uh, so they came to Miami, um, and then we went to see a couple of properties they didn't really like, and I realized that they liked new construction. So at the same time, uh, Brickell City Center was just being built. Yeah. And Brickell City Center is being developed by is is developed by Swire, yeah. who is a very we, very we big, very well known company in Asia. They build yeah. some of the best products there, and so actually my that that international sale was done completely sight unseen because she knew who the developer was and made that, it more easier because she was already from that part yeah, of the world yeah and it actually flipped around because i was trying to convince her to to come here to see it you know before she made a decision at you know as opposed to me just saying okay let's just sign right <laughs> get a yeah. commission and she was the one telling me no ellie i don't i just want to sign it so that long story so short, they, they, they didn't even see the property, or they did. They didn't see the property, just because they were familiar with the developer. Just project, because they were familiar they, with the developer. I mean, I mean, I showed wow, them the brochures, yeah, I talked yeah, to them about yeah. the details, all that stuff. But they ended up making the purchase because of that, okay. and that taught me that who the developer is when you're purchasing, especially new construction, is paramount to, like, actually having the building even being built. Right. Yeah. For number one, and then uh, number two, how what kind of quality that product is going to be delivered. So. Wow. Yeah. So you get you get introduced luxury market, international sales, both yeah. at once. Yeah, pretty much. And so from there, um, from there, you know, we grew to uh, basically doing uh, doing luxury sales. Just every single, it started to really accelerate from there. Um, and then I met my partner and we created really just a small team. Wasn't, it was just a partnership. It wasn't really even a team. Yeah. Um, and then somehow through our years and as we were doing bigger, we started working more with developers. We started working more with new construction. We started working with international deals. Um, and uh, we, we became very dynamic. 
So we were able to amass a lot of experience in a short amount of time. And uh, from there, you know, now, now today we have a team of six agents. Um, you know, like you said, we've collectively done over a billion in sales and, um, you know, we're, we're trying to innovate. We're trying to put yeah. more technology, more convenience factor into a real estate purchase because at the end of the day, it's still a very stressful transaction. Gotcha. Right? And, and so, you become, you have a competitive advantage doing that. In terms, yeah. Yeah, yeah with the technology. Yeah, sure. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so we, we, we try, we work hard and, you know, so, so that's kind of, that's kind of what we do. <laughs> Now tell me something. So you deal a lot with the luxury market. What do you see is going to happen? Do you feel like there's going to be a bust soon, or a bubble is going to pop? Or well, I think anybody that tells you they know what's going to happen are not truthful. Yeah. <laughs> because nobody knows what's going to happen. Everybody thought that the market was going to crash back in 2014. You know, because of all the sales, everybody thought the market was going to crash uh, during the pandemic. Right. And none of that happened. Yeah. Right. It actually uh, started booming. It started booming. In and, Miami. Yeah. And it actually was a core reason why Miami is the way it is today. I mean, the prices in Miami have, have accelerated um, almost similar to prices in Los Angeles, which the conversation five years ago would have been, oh, Miami is so much cheaper, you know? Yeah. And right now it's starting, it's, it's starting to catch up, you know, and it's because of the growth that Miami has. Um, the, the Bitcoin conference was just here not too long ago. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're, they're, they moved it to Miami. And, uh, you know, you're starting to see not even New Yorkers or Northeast, are the, the regular domestic market that comes here. We're starting to see an influx from California, from the West Coast of wow. the U.S. We're seeing Silicon Valley um, technology people. These are heavyweight people that come to Miami and, and they, they make it their home. Wow. They even come up with a term called reverse snowbirds now where New Yorkers come down and they buy a property as their primary property. And they would still go back to New York during the, during the summer seasons. And, and they're named reverse snowbirds. Wow. Right? Like instead of having a primary property in New York and then yeah. coming down here during the winter season, they, they, they turn that into property a Property here and just go in yeah. the summer yeah. and then the rest of the time exactly. they're here. Exactly. So they never leave the heat pretty much. Yeah. And, and the, in, the most interesting fact, in my opinion, is that this is only the domestic market. We haven't even started seeing Europe coming back. We haven't started seeing South America coming back, which, you know, South America is the largest market yeah, here. Yeah, here, especially. You know? Yeah, so, from all over. Um, in terms of answering your question, I, it's a very hard question to answer. And gotcha. I'm not going to tell you that, oh, I, I see that it's going to bust or boom, because my experience has been thinking it was going to bust and it didn't, or thinking it's not going to bust and it did, right? And, and, boom, and, that, yeah. and that's happened wow. before. Yeah. So what I can tell you is that the market statistics that we see today is really confident. And what we're seeing is mu much more of an issue between housing shortage and uh, too much demand and not enough supply. And gotcha. usually on, when, when there's an imbalance of de, de, uh, supply, and uh, demand. Then, then prices accelerate. Yeah. Um, you know, and, and our market right now, the market conditions, you know, we're, we're not, there, there's not a lot of factors that I think puts a really big risk to the real estate market. You know, back in 2008, you know, uh, buyers were coming here, they were putting down 20% uh, equity. And uh, when... 
when uh, when the mortgage crisis happened, they got out of their contract and they were able to 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 leave, uh, and that crashed the mortgage markets. Nowadays, mortgage uh, mortgage companies are requiring developers to have at least sixty percent pre-sell before they can even get a construction loan. And wow. developers are requiring buyers to put down 50% deposits. That's true. I know which, a few which, people, they are doing that yeah, right now. Right, yeah, right. And that down. limits, you, you don't run away from a 50% deposit. So yeah. all of those things, and, and plus. So it's less risk on everyone. Yeah, from less the bank to the to, developer to, everyone, to the, even everyone, the resident. Right? So, yes. so this is the market that we're in today. And then we also have the whole added benefit that right now in, in Miami, um, you're seeing that new developers are doing things uh, very conservatively, right? Back in 2008, we had somewhere about 60 to 80,000 units, new construction units okay. on the market. In 2014, we were looking at half that number. So we were looking at about uh, 20,000 20, units to 30,000 units being delivered to the marketplace. Today, there's only a handful of new construction property that's even being built. And I'm only talking about the tri-county area. So Miami-Dade County, um, Palm Beach County, and also Broward County, right? I'm, I'm just strictly... Yeah, yeah and try, you're not You're gotcha. not seeing a lot of new groundbreaking from developers, which means that the inventory shortage is here to stay at least for the next few years. And you, you, you know that new construction projects to get off the ground to completion, three to five years. Easily, yeah. Easily, right? And so... You know, that's kind of where we are in the in the market cycle. Now, are there things that can happen that can, you know, that can change the dynamics? Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Anything. Right. But uh, but I like to just speak on facts that we have in the marketplace and then uh, let every let the let the clients make the decision from there. You know, gotcha. so tell me something. What would you um, somebody wants to get started in real estate? What advice would you give them? Well, uh, so I get asked this question a lot. I would say, um, I would say to really understand the business, to really know if this is what you want to do. So one of the things I always tell uh, new agents that want to join my team is, uh, I I'm a very straightforward person. Yeah. So I will tell them it's not always glam and you know, Rolls Royce and, you know, you're going to, you're selling $50 million mansions every freaking weekend, right? Like yeah. it's, it's, I tell people real statistics and I let them decide. For example, the average real estate agent in, in Florida, just Florida makes $40,000 a year. Okay. Okay. And in our industry, there's an 80, there's an 80, 20 rule which I believe it's more so 90 and 10 rule. So 10% make 90% of the money. That's right. <laughs> right. So when you put those two statistics together, what you realize is 90% of the realtors out there make $40,000 or less. So what I tell new agents that come into the business is if you really, really want to be successful, keep that statistic in your mind. And if it's not something that you're willing to do, um, you know, really, really willing to invest in, it's best if you don't waste a year of time doing this and realizing you don't want to do it, right? And then doing something that you really enjoy doing. And That's if it's right. something where these statistics, they don't scare you because you know you can be part of that 10%, which I knew about the statistics, it didn't scare me, you know? And, um, you know, then join. <laughs> 
So tell me something, because even to be part of that 10%, there's always a competitive advantage. You're not doing the same thing as the average 90% are doing, correct? Sure. So yeah. could yeah. you give, a, like if a guy wanted to start real estate, what would be a few pointers to help you to have a competitive advantage? Don't give all your secrets, Elliot, but <laughs> some of them that changed the game for you where it made it more your frequency and you stopped being in your own way. Like Yeah, so I I would say to embrace technology. Okay. I would say to remain consistent and um, and have tenacity. I think that's the formula really for, for a lot of industries moving forward, right? Like even, even what you do, you have to remain consistent every single day, you know, and, uh, and I think those are really, it's, it's, it's really not a secret. You just have to put in the time, you have to put in the effort and you have to always show up and he, like even even us doing this podcast, we're doing it on a Saturday, right? Yeah. Like we we could be doing something else, or, you know. But we're both right. But we're both committing to to meeting each other. So uh, I just also want to take the time to to thank you for having me on your podcast. Oh, no problem, it's, it's, it's my awesome. honor to have you. Really, thank you very much, man. So biggest failure. So that's a that's a that's a really great question. Um, so when when we were when we were off camera, we were talking about how. Uh, at one point, the, you know, there was a there was a Chinese developer that came to Miami, purchased hundred million dollars of land, and and it all hit the papers. Um, prior to this developer coming to Miami, I was working in a company, a startup company, that wanted to build an ecosystem for Asian investors when they come to when they come to Miami. So it was something. It was it was a really really much bigger picture than just selling real estate. It was a very it was a grand vision, and. Um, you know, in, in the in the process of creating all of that, I realized that some of the people that I was working with were not were not uh, the, the the best um, people, yeah. and um, and that had a big influence on on me because at one point, um, I myself didn't get paid for for two years um, of, uh, out of all the transactions that I was closing, um, and. Uh, I realized that they were also taking advantage of of students, and you know, um, at at that point, I wasn't so far from being a student myself. Wow! And uh, and they were taking advantage of these students. They were they were over promising, under delivering. They were not paying them as well. Yeah. And these are innocent students that came overseas to study. You know, they don't even have a green card. They don't have. They have to go through what is called an H uh, H. Uh, H1B visa, or I'm sorry, OPT uh, training program in, in order to even have uh, a chance to stay. And, and from from coming over here, luckily, of course, you know, I, I don't have an issue of needing that. Yeah. But I have seen the lines outside embassies. I have seen people just trying their chance to at least have an opportunity to come to the United States to study. Wow. And, um, and, and that I, I feel was a failure because when I had quit that company, I felt extremely lost. I felt angry. I felt displaced. And, um, and, but that, you know what, that showed me that it showed me that I, me staying true to my character, which is you can do good things. You know, you can be a good person and you can still be extremely successful. Yeah. Just let me know that that was my, that was my North star. That was my compass point. Yeah, and uh, I just it gave you a standard. Yeah, what to go and, by, and it just what I wasn't going to deviate from that. You know, 
Um, and, uh, and, and even though that was one of the biggest failures that I've been through, yeah. uh, and it impacted me a lot. Um, yeah, two years not getting paid. Yeah. I, I, believe I almost had to, I actually, at one point I, I had sold all, all of my, um, all of my furnishings, <laughs> except, <laughs> except, just to make ends meet. Just to make ends meet, and wow. at one point, actually, the, the only thing I didn't sell was my Tempur-Pedic bed because I, I loved my Tempur-Pedic bed. But yeah, and uh, I was actually the couch could go on the TV. Yeah, could everything could go by. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So at one point, I, I even was I was almost gonna tie my bed to to my car and drive it back to California. <laughs> So that was, uh, you know, and, and that yeah. for me was 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 a pain point. You know, that was yeah. a pain point in my life, and um, I'm very fortunate to say that uh, I, I was able to turn that around, and, um, and, and you it. know, and, and get to at least where I am today. You know, so, so it made you hunger. So when you got into real estate, correct? Like you never yeah. wanted to get back to that place. Yeah, yeah. It it, uh, it it showed me that you you really can go broke. <laughs> you really can hurt. <laughs> Yeah. And, um, but you know, it, it's, it's, it's a double-edged sword. So. But the characters of these guys, let's go back to the character of the company, the characters of these guys, you call in all these deals and they're not paying you at all. Well, you know, <laughs> it's it, crazy. It's the, the, so it's one thing to, to not be able to close and you're looking for clients, right? Gotcha. And then it's a whole nother thing. It's a whole nother level when, when the people that you're working with, um, you're, you know you're doing your part and then they just hold on and just not pay you because in, in real estate, the commission goes to the broker. Correct, the yeah. The broker pays the agents, right? Gotcha, they, and, they split whatever they yeah, negotiate. Yeah. Okay. And, um, and so they just held, held on you know, to, to my commissions and just never paid me. Wow. So wow. it wasn't, so I was still, I was still producing and you know, even when they know, wouldn't pay you, you still produce. I was still I was still going out. I was, was still I was still angry. I mean, at least yeah, of course, of course, yeah, yeah. of course. But when you're in front of a client, when you're when you're out, when you're about, you you have to put on a game face. Yeah, for so, sure. So that part was um that was a big pain point for me, and I just realized wow. you know, you it's important to work with good people also. Yeah, people that at least see your vision or or work with your kind of ethics. Um, because you just work better. I mean, there, there are a lot of different personalities out there and, and one personality working with one matching personality might not be the right people for you, but it's the right formula for them. Gotcha. You know? So, so that's kind of been, a been a, been a thing, you know, and, 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 um, but, uh, but, uh, I was able to learn, um, uh, that early on and it has helped me really grown to, I'm, I'm very blessed to say that the people that I work with, the team that I have, the culture that we've been able to create is a very um, unique dynamic for any real estate team. We operate a very, uh, very, very differently from a regular real estate team. And that was done all through the failures that I went through working in different teams, working in brokerages and, and things like that. So we actually go one step further to not just serve our clients, but we also serve our agents, you know. Wow, which a lot of people don't do. You so you even focus on, hey, even though this is like family, this is family, right? Yeah, yeah. Now, yeah. Um, your your hero, I'm guessing, is your mom. Or who is your hero? She's one of my heroes. Yeah. yeah. Okay, who's another? Um, I would probably say, 
all of my classmates in my jujitsu class. <laughs> okay, why? <laughs> because it's it, you know it's it takes a huge toll on your body, um, and it's it's a sport where you go in there and you know in business sometimes people they they fake it till they make it right. Yeah. But when you go into jujitsu and you're any type of martial arts, you can't fake it. You have to you have yeah. to go through the growth. You have to go through um, the training to get there. And and one of one of my favorite things about it is that the the professors or the, the teachers that are teaching you, they actually teach you because they want you to really become better. Whereas in in the business world, a lot of people they you know, it's, it's sometimes it's like, they don't want to tell you everything because they feel that, you know, you, that, you, you, yeah, yeah, the, yeah, you know what I mean? Like there's always a hierarchy. Yeah. You know? And so the, that's one thing I really enjoy about jujitsu. It's like, everybody ha- actually has to work. Everybody actually wants you to do better. I mean, it's, it's a whole thing where it, when you're choking somebody out, right. They tell and they're being choked out. They're like, you know, they can't, They'll tell you, oh, you got to move your arm here and then you get a better choke. Then they're like, oh, good job. Good job. You know, <laughs> it's a whole it's a whole nother um, uh, atmosphere. But but thumb, my mother, um, the, my parents, I, I, I would say they are they are sort of my biggest heroes. Who, who, who is going to be Elliot Lee in 20 years, 30 years from now? Um, that's a that's a that's a very interesting question. Um, 20 years from now, I, I see me more so uh, working in, in multiple facets of still the real estate business. I'm always going to be in the real estate business, um, but I do want to have much more of, a, uh, of dynamics in terms of not just real estate agency, but doing things to help real estate agency. Um, also working on investments. I also want to work on uh, I, and I will, which I'm working on yeah. uh, uh, building real estate funds, uh, property technology, integrating AI. I mean, real estate is such a, um, is, is a very slow industry. It's a very slow moving industry in terms of meeting with uh, technology. And I think that there is a very big disconnect there. And I would like wow. to, to bridge, uh, bridge that together. Mm. And um, when you're gone... When you're done, Elliot, in this lifetime or whatever you believe, but what do you want people to know you for? I want, I want to leave, I, I want to leave the world a little bit better than than how I found it. You know, gotcha. you know, when we when we're in business, we go through many ups and downs. Sometimes the downs are created by other people. Sometimes it's created by, you know, things that you can't control. And I want to leave this world. Being a little bit better than than it was when I when I went into it. That's it. Wow, that's amazing. Well, Ali Ali, I want to thank you so much for being on the podcast of Aspire Noya, guys. Please follow him on social media. He's amazing in the luxury market. Love your videos, man. Thank you so Thanks, much, Ali. God bless. Thank you, you so much, Ali. 